oftentimes I feel like what ends up happening is our perspective of aging is just the traumatic part of caring for them because we never even took part in the, in, 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 um, understanding them, valuing them. So what ends up happening is it's just crisis at the end. And so we're like, aging is horrible, you know, but, but it doesn't have to be. And I've seen, I've seen it both ways, you know. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I speak with influencers from all over the world who are contributing to the common good in all sorts of ways. Contributing to the common good in even the smallest of ways is one of the scientifically proven ways we can age with vitality and deep contentment. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager, and my goal is to share optimism about aging and introduce you to guests who will inspire you to live with zest. To find out more about this podcast, my web courses, and my book, Not Just Chatting, How to Become a Master Podcast Interviewer, hop on over to ZestfulAging.com. And while you're there, sign up for my weekly email newsletter, The Insider, where you will get behind the scenes looks at upcoming episodes and other fun tidbits. If you love the podcast, I'd be grateful if you shared it with your friends. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker. Find out more at judybanker.com. And our technical director is Stephen Litweiler. I'm really excited for our interview today. We are um, talking about something that in some ways is uh, pretty par for the course for this, this podcast, but with a little bit of a different angle. Um, having grown up in a multi-generational home, our next guest wants us to consider how our attitudes towards aging affect our elders. She's passionate about helping us develop better relationships with our elders, both for their sake and ours. And she believes it's a great loss for both young and old to experience life separately. A writer, speaker, and educator, Isabel Tom wants to teach us the value of elders and elder care. Welcome to the show, Isabel. Hi, Nicole. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, you're so welcome. You know, many elder specialists uh, are focusing a lot of uh, their energy, their time on the many practical aspects of elder care. And we've had many of those uh, experts on the podcast really talking about some of the burdens, some of the things we need to anticipate for our elders. And as we age, your focus is different. Uh, your focus is actually about loving your elder. Can you talk a little bit more about how you came to that focus? Sure. So I, since I graduated from college, I have, I've always worked in the senior care field and I worked in senior living and in end of life care. And there are so many things to learn. And I'm sure you know this, you know, you're constantly learning. Um, every path that an older person takes is different and it's overwhelming. But the thing that I keep seeing over and over again is really, you know, good quality care, um, is, offered when we give it with love. And if you have that part missing, then I would say it's almost not, it's not good quality care, right? Um, 
And so it's just, it's almost, if you think of it from like a marketing perspective or even a business perspective, it's like good customer service is when Mm. it's individualized, it's personalized. And Mm. as family members, you know, we are the ones who know our loved ones and the more we know them, the better care we can give them. Mm-hmm. I know you had a very close relationship with your grandparents. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the ways you and your grandmother showed one another love? Yeah, so um, I grew up living in a household with my grandparents. They were there since the day I was born, literally. And my grandma passed away when I was when I turned 35. So I was 35 years with her, with my grandpa. I was 27. And I lived in the same household with them for so many years. I think it was the first 26 years of my life. And um, our relationship, I, I mean, I think a lot of times we think about um, if you have a relationship with someone, maybe you'll go and it, with a grandparent, maybe you'd have like heart to heart talks with each other or you go on special grandparent dates. But, you know, I just lived with them. So I spent a lot of time with them. So, mm-hmm. you know, they cared for me when I was younger and they took part in all the little moments of my life that, you know, they might not have been like milestone moments. But for example, like if I needed help tying my shoe, my grandparents were there. I mean, they, my parents were working. And so my grandparents Mm. took part in walking me to school and helping, you know, I had tantrums when I went (laughs) to kindergarten. And I remember it was, you know, I would be holding on for dear life to my grandma and my teacher would be trying to pull me in the class. My grandpa would pick me up from school. I mean, even in high school, this was the way it was for me. So, I mean, I think my appreciation for older adults, it was a very slow process, but little by little, you know, kind of like how you have a roommate in college. You might not like them in the beginning, but after you spend four years with them, you know, you kind of, it grows on you. Um, <laughs> you start your to lives understand. become, you know, your lives were woven together. They really were, yeah. Would you tell the story of the orange at Christmas? That's such a beautiful story and a great example. Yeah. yeah so, you know, as a, I was the youngest of three and, you know, during Christmas time is very exciting. And I was the type who I would just like want to give people gifts. But of course, I had no money at all. And, <laughs> um, and so I, my room was right next to my grandparents' room as all three of my sisters and I, and we were right next to my grandparents' room. And so I often went into their room. My grandpa had a big, um, big chair, like a rocker that he'd always sit in to watch TV. And my grandma had a certain place that she sat. And I, you know, I remember it was like before Christmas time, um, I was really trying to figure out what they wanted. And so I thought, you know, let me just ask him, what do you guys want for Christmas? A very like childlike thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just remember, you know, my grandma was like just oranges and a hug and a kiss. And um, that this is actually the, the story that I tell in my book. It happened many times, you know, like I would try to find out something better to give them right? <laughs> as I got older because I would get some money. And really, um, it came down to they just wanted my love and affection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my grandpa would give him like a Snickers bar once in a while because he liked <laughs> chocolate. But it was really, you know, the, it was really the affection that, um, the hug and a kiss that really I see, you know, so simple, but, um, I know that it made a difference. And even, you know, um, I don't think I share it in my book, but 
even to the day before I got married, like when they would go to sleep, they went to sleep earlier than I would. I would go in there and give them a hug and a kiss, mm-hmm. um, like a good night kiss, because I, I, I knew it mattered. I mean, my grandma would tell me about my grandparent, my grandpa specifically, the hard life that he lived. Um, and a lot of that was hush hush. We don't talk about it, but. I think it just kind of opened my eyes to the fact that, you know, people are going through tough things and Mm -hmm. I didn't have very much to give, especially as I was, you know, I didn't, when I, when I was a child, when I was a teenager, I couldn't do very much, you know, like not the way that an adult could. So I think I came to see that, you know, I had, I had the ability to make a huge difference in a very small way. And that was through just loving them and um, giving them affection and just being there. And it sounds like you also were developing empathy. Like you love them, you knew they loved you, but there was also this extra part of, and I appreciate you've had a hard life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, well, when you live with someone, you get to know them more, right? And you get to see the the moments that don't come out on social media, on camera. Um, and so living next to them, I mean, I, I heard my grandpa groan at night sometimes because he was in pain or, you know, I, I overheard them talking about, you know, he, he, he would say, I, I'm so old. I just wish I would die, you know? And so that mm-hmm. impacted me, especially as a, you know, as I got older, it started to, um, kind of sink in a little more like, oh, this is not, you know, this is kind of a big deal. And I, as I started to work um, after college, when I started to serve older adults, you know, I started to see, thing at a, see things at a grander level. It wasn't just what's happening at home. And I think for a lot of grandchildren, that's what they, their views of older adults is just what they see in their home. But I started to see it at, at a larger scale. So, you know, I would come home and I would see the look it would just be like two seconds, right? The look on my grandparents' face if they got frustrated with something or they were told something and it just didn't sit well. Um, and then I would see that when I was at work too. Like I, I started noticing mm. and, and paying a lot more attention and being a lot more aware of what they were going through. And, and so even though I was what, 60 years younger <laughs> than mm. them, I like in many ways, I, I I feel like I gained an understanding for mm-hmm. for what older adults, at least in general, um, can f- what they can how they can feel um, as they're getting older, as they have to depend on people more. Um, and yeah, it just opened my eyes to that and um, helped me see that we really, when we give them a, when we give them our love, like that is emotionally supporting them through aging because aging is not just physical. It's not just, Mm -hmm. you know, if it was all about that, then it'd be so easy. We could just give them boom, 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 this, you know, like a checklist of things. But I think the reason why it's hard is because there's a a huge emotional component to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You became a translator of sorts. You were able to read it sounds like some of the expressions um, that your grandparents uh, would would show, and you knew what mm-hmm. that meant. You were able to bring that into your professional life. Yeah, I think it was kind of. I mean, it was a 
it was two-sided. I would go to work and learn something, and then I would come mm-hmm. home and say, oh, well, I'll have a chance to apply it. And then I would be at home and see a problem. And, you know, I had access to some of the best <laughs> professionals, you know, from medical professionals, from nurses to aides to, I mean, I, I don't consider myself the type of expert that a lot of other experts in the senior care field, um, like the type of expertise that they have, because they've worked like 30 years in one area. But I feel like um, my experience comes from practicing it at at home, at at work, and just there was it was it was a huge part of my life, you know, just seeing something at home and then going to ask the nurse and be like, my grandpa has a wound, like, <laughs> you know, and it hurts him a lot, you know. Mm. So I would have the chance to ask those questions, and then as I was caring for my grandparents, I mean, I would also be able to apply that to the work that I was doing at work because I. I really did care and I wanted, I, I want caregivers still. I want family members to know how they can help. And I also mm-hmm. want in, in the field, like especially in the end of life care field, I worked a lot in education and creating continuing education for health professionals. And I want that to be practical stuff that really does make a difference. So I think in the fact that I lived it, 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 it all came full circle. You know, I was just applying it everywhere. It just seems to me so rooted in empathy that you don't want them to suffer just as you wouldn't want to suffer, that it become it's important for you to understand because you can feel somewhat of their pain. Yeah, I, I think because I was so much younger, you know, there's this um, interesting component because I would be serving older adults. I lived with my grandparents, which not all of my friends, actually very few of my friends were living with their grandparents. And so, but at the same time, I was hanging out with people, you know, in my 20s and even now, you know. And so I would see this huge gap of what people, at least my age, were thinking about older people. And then I would see what really was the truth, right? Like what the reality they were living, like older adults were living. And I saw this huge gap. And that's kind of like how the value of wrinkles of book actually came about because I had, I've been blogging for years, Mm -hmm. um, really just to try to help. I guess I, I, I had this huge passion to show people like peers of mine, what, you know, first of all, that serving older adults is not a horrible job. I really, it was, it's something that I love. I love being in the presence of older adults because there's so much, um, so many great experiences they've gone through. And mm-hmm. there's just so much that I think that as a society, it's not just people who are my age, but even people who are middle age um, don't see sometimes Number one, because they're only exposed to their older adult, maybe their mm. parent or their grandparent. But when I was able to see at a larger scale, it helped me give gain more perspective to realize that, oh, my grandparents or my parent, they have a story and or mm. they have these things going on inside that I don't even know about. Let me figure this out more. Mm-hmm. And when you figure it out, right, it allows you to connect with them better, allows you to enjoy the time that you have left with them more. And um, there's just huge benefits. And I think we miss out on that. And we just often, I mean, I'm sure you know this, but oftentimes I feel like what ends up happening is our perspective of aging is just the traumatic part 
mm-hmm. of caring for them because we never even took part in the in 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 um understanding them valuing them so what ends up happening is it's just crisis at the end and so we're like aging is horrible you know uh-huh. but yep. but it doesn't have to be and i've se- i've seen it both ways you know mm-hmm. that's so interesting and that message is so important because as you well know people are terrified of aging mm-hmm. and you're saying listen there's a richness there there's something to be uncovered and understood yes mm-hmm. i think it's, it's a huge beautiful. educational I, I think it's an education gap you know i think when i talk with people who are older um I don't see as much of that fear. I mean, obviously there is fear of, of the future and what could happen, but I, I actually see more fear in people who are like in their forties and fifties because there is this lack of understanding of what, um, what aging is about. And it's all about the physical, you know, it's like, Oh, I'm going to forget things. I'm going to not be able to do things as easily. It's, you know, so that I think the negative part that not that that part is not completely true. Aging comes with physical decline, Mm -hmm. but I think there's a huge gap in the good, good things that come with age. Well, aging in a culture that doesn't value aging Mm -hmm. is no fun. Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. you, you know, we're aware, at least in our culture that, um, we lose value mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. as we age and um i think so much of 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 our perspective of oh boy now i'm 60 now i'm 70 mm-hmm. is um you know our awareness that people are not valued at that age and um perhaps there's some internal ageism as well like i can't oh, yeah. be that valuable mm-hmm. if i'm you know if i'm using a walker or if i'm you know I, whatever, I have some cognitive decline. Absolutely. No, I think that the, there, there's so much work to be done, right? I, I think that the way that we talk about aging and, um, and I'm talking about when we're younger is really dangerous because I think we don't think it matters, you know, like when we say, oh, I'm getting so old. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so negative and we don't realize that it can really negatively affect the older people around us, right? They're not going to say anything, but it really, it, it's basically <laughs> an insult mm-hmm. to somebody who's it's older. It's a discrimination. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I think what will eventually happen is, you know, when whoever, when we say that, as we get older, we start to realize that that, you know, or maybe we don't even realize it. Maybe we just feel shame as we get older. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. yes. Yeah, that's, that's a very interesting um, word, you know, the shame, our own shame. And um, Ashton Applewhite's really good at pointing that out. Mm-hmm. You know, the having a discrimination against our future selves and mm-hmm. bringing that shame that I'm not as valuable because I am aging. That's a whole, mm-hmm. that's a whole other kettle of fish. Hi, everyone. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. 
Our lives are upside down, and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And Too Much Stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. You know, I also wanted to ask you, you talk about in your book that sometimes your grandfather could be a little persnickety. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah, no. And and he he was, my grandma was the easygoing one. My grandpa was, um, I guess he'd be labeled (laughs) difficult, right? Mm. And there were times that I got frustrated with, you know, his behavior, his perspective, and you know, in hindsight, I've, I've learned more about maybe why he was feeling that way. And, and so I think that's why understanding is just so important. Um, you know, for him, he, he experienced a lot of trauma that he didn't talk about, um, mm-hmm. serving in the end of life care field. You know, I remember learning about veterans and how a lot of them have stories of things that were very traumatic that they never addressed. And then near the end of life, you know, this is when it all comes up and it, and it, uh, and it causes pain, right? Not just mm-hmm. physical pain. Well, it, it can cause physical pain. It can, it can manifest that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, after my grandpa passed, I, I was, I just, I, I was 27 when I started working in a house at, at, um, in a hospice care agency. And, um, my grandpa passed just a few months after. And that was traumatic to me because I did not understand the end of life. And I didn't even, you know, I knew he was older, but you're, I wasn't prepared for it. And, um, but the years that I've worked, worked here after, I start to uncover different things as I was doing my work, you know, my professional work, um, learning more about what happens when your body is starting to break down, you know, maybe on the outside, you may look completely normal, 
but also physically, you could feel like crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. in, in, as family members, you know, sometimes we may just think it's complaining. Um, and so I, I look back, I, I do feel like, you know, at least our family, we respected him. We honored him. We, we wanted to care for him, but at least, um, I understand more why he was so resistant at times. Like I can see that fear of mm-hmm. what he was afraid of. Mm. Um, it doesn't always make it easier when you're in the moment, mm-hmm. but that does help you to respond, um, a little less harshly when you have, when you gain understanding of what's going on. So it sounds like what you would say to people who are caring for elders or have relationship, close relationships with their elders is that you need to really have an appreciation for the process that they're going through and try to understand what it might be like to look okay on the outside, but in the inside feeling like crap and how that might cause you to be irritable, maybe um, uh, stubborn, all of these things. Well, I think it helps you to approach them in a much more understanding way, right? Like when you, I have three young kids, so when you approach anybody and you just demand and you say, you are going to do this, like you all, <laughs> all, you all of a sudden are, you, you can just imagine like what you have to deal with after that, right? Mm-hmm. Like you gain resistance. But when you say, and if you're, you know, if I was talking to my grandpa and I, and I said, you know, I, I know this is really hard for you because I can, I can see this is hard for you because maybe this is what's happening. Um, and I know that you don't want to, let's say, move into, move out of your home. Mm-hmm. And I know you don't want to do it, but just explaining, it just allows you to come with, yes, a lot more empathy. And I think when you can mm-hmm. show that you understand someone, and even if the next steps are not what they want to happen, mm-hmm. I think you come like, it is so much easier and so many times, and again, you know this, but so many times families, I think they're, they don't know what to do, right? And so it ends up being this, uh, battle where they're just kind of saying, well, this is what needs to happen. I'm laying down the law. You've got to do this. If you don't do this, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm going to move you in. And, mm-hmm. and I have been in a place where, um, when I worked at a retirement community, you know, I worked in the fitness center, the place where all everybody comes because that's where the healthy people are. Mm-hmm. So residents would come and if they hated moving in, they would come to the fitness center first because I think that's where they felt the least um, <laughs> intimidated. You know, that's where they, it was like, it's not like I'm, I'm a social worker. I'm not going to talk to them directly about their issues, but they would start sharing, like, I don't want to be here. Oh. And my family said, I have to be here. Oh. And, and so sometimes I think it's just the way that you approach it, right? Like, obviously, their families were worried about them. So if their mm-hmm. families had said something like, I'm really worried that you're going to have a really bad health health episode again and i'm not gonna be able to care for you like there's a a huge difference from that to you have to move here i don't care what you said yeah we can't take care of you anymore yeah you're you're going i think you know as you're talking about being in the um uh, with the exercise and the, mm-hmm, the help, mm-hmm. you know, the idea of helping them deal with their loss that yeah. for them, 
that's a tremendous a loss. <laughs> and to kind of keep that constantly in mind when mm-hmm. my um, mother-in-law used to have to have insulin shots and at the end of her life she would literally tantrum mm-hmm. and stamp her feet i don't want any more shots and mm-hmm. it looked from the outside like oh my goodness you know you're acting like a three-year-old yeah but as you're talking i can really appreciate that's all she could do she couldn't make it different she couldn't say you know um, I, I disagree with this diagnosis and I'm mm-hmm. going to go another route and try mm-hmm. to find a different, I mean, you know, she was in a sense trapped and she, yes. mm-hmm. and, and that loss and grief really shows up in different ways. Yeah. And I think when we hear our loved ones, you know, and we consider it tantruming, I, I think they're trying to have a voice. And sometimes I think yeah. that's when we shut them down and they can all of a sudden become silent. Cause it's like, okay, I think that, makes them feel so much worse because all of a sudden they're trying to express how they're feeling. And then we're just like, no, (laughs) we're not going to have it. Um, and you know, I have, I have had a three-year-old and a three-year-old's sometimes they really have something they're trying to tell us. Right. And they just don't know how to, how to communicate Mm -hmm. that. So I think really there's something always going on and the more that we can understand, the better we can support them. When you, when it comes to moving, for example, like I was, I thought of this, you know, recently, I was like, you know, it, it's, it's, they might've lived in their house for like 50, 60 years, mm-hmm. right? So if you apply that to our own lives or a child who doesn't, he just doesn't want to move. I mean, that is, it can be traumatic, but if you've been there and you've had that stability and it's just being taken away, mm-hmm. um, that's traumatic. Oh, and so even yes. if you can get a portrait, uh, uh, um, a picture painted of their house, you know, that they lived in for 50 years so that when they move, you know, like those are ways I think we can soften um, and just help them mm-hmm. as they're going through it. We can't take away what they're going to you know, what they're experiencing, but we can make it easier. We can, mm-hmm. we can show them that they have people there that are supporting them. And understand, you yeah. know, I think about what you're describing and how important it is and how really, um, I don't know, uh, how, how shall I say? I mean, that's the sign of a an advanced society, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is taking care of people. Um, and it's a moral thing. But I think about all of the challenges for places with staff shortages Mm -hmm. and, you know, what you're describing takes extra time probably, takes, you know, that patience Mm -hmm. that I hear you, I see you, what do you need? Um, That might be tricky when you have a caseload that, and you've got to write notes and you've got to, move pretty quickly. Is that yeah. something you hear about? No, definitely. And I think, you know, people who serve older adults professionally, they've got it hard. They don't get paid probably <laughs> for mm-hmm. what they're worth. They mm-hmm. don't get appreciated. They get more complaints. And that's why I think it's important for families like I really um, want to educate uh, families to help them understand also what, um, you know, like if, if, if they have a loved one living in assisted living or skilled nursing facility or going to the hospital, like 
you know, did you know that <laughs> what there's one person and they have this many people mm-hmm. to care for? And I think that's why it's important to help families to understand that, you know, good care is um, not just medical care. So we can, if you are going to have them living somewhere, if you have them in the hospital or you're working with the physician, the physician, when you have this support system like this um, in healthcare, right, let them do what they do. And of course, you're advocating for your loved one. But as a family members, we have this huge part that we can play. And when we're able to emotionally support our loved one and walk with them and be on their team, that then, you know, that's what we can do. I don't think that, um, I mean, obviously, if a physician or a nurse or a nurse's aide or a social worker or a dietitian, whatever, whoever it is, if they are able to spend time with our loved ones and and have that empathy that's something that's necessary and that's help so helpful but that's something that also from family members that's if it Mm, can come from us you know we're the ones who spend more time with our loved ones so that's that's time that the physician only has what like 14 minutes Mm, (laughs) so mm. how can we expect that from our physician our physician has a huge caseload um this is something that we can do and i think oftentimes I hear, I mean, this is something I'm, I'm working on right, right now, trying to provide education to help families care for their older loved ones. Because I keep hearing this question of like, okay, I'm looking for senior living. I'm looking for this. I'm working on the insurance and, and people are looking for answers, but they're looking for like a silver bullet of a service, mm-hmm. right? But we, if we want to make aging better and we want to provide good quality care, I feel like a lot of it comes from you know, what we do as family members um, to help them age well, to support them through the process. There's just, I, I, I think sometimes we look to the senior care services to, to do mm-hmm. a lot of the work that we can start doing early on all the time. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting, too. You're, I love the title of your book, The Value of Wrinkles, but by valuing our elders and valuing these relationships, that's our way, I think, of chipping away at ageism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's saying, no, there these my older um, family members or friends are valuable, and yes. I'm going to stay with them till the end. And it's Mm -hmm. important. It it does seem to be a way of getting at a general sense of once you're older, you know, who cares? Yeah. And I think there's a difference between an older person who is surrounded by a community that loves them and the difference between an older person who is in isolation Mm -hmm. and is not getting any support, who's being ignored and forgotten. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's really when you think about what is what is aging well like it's not about oh somebody with a top physician and having enough money to move into the best retirement mm-hmm. community it is really not that at all right linen tablecloths and beautiful yeah. china that's not what does it no i think you can see on the faces of older adults, you can see the ones who are content are often the ones who are like, you know, I'm so loved. I'm Mm. so grateful for the people around me who are caring for me. I'm grateful for this person and that person. And so they feel, um, they feel supported. They feel loved. And it's not just by their family, but it could be from, I'm thankful that I have a great doctor or this person at the pharmacy gives me great customer service. You know, it's even the little things that we do, even if you don't have an older person 
in your family that you care for, you know, like as a, you know, um, and it's not just like a, it's a, it's a relationship that you have with them. Even if it's just your neighbor, when you're asking them, Hey, do you need help? Um, it's kind of icy out there. If you, if you, if mm. you need help clearing your car, I know you can do it, but I'm happy to help you. You know, oh, it's just that boy. support mm-hmm. of knowing that somebody cares for you. Um, I think that's for all of us. It doesn't matter what age we're at. I think when we know that we are loved, when we know that we have people around us, mm-hmm. that, that makes a difference. It makes it easier for us to go through tough times, too. And I think your point is so important that it's not only a gift to them, but it's a gift to yourself. Yeah. And, and I am a huge advocate. I often find myself overwhelmed of like what to work on next because I feel like I, I want younger people and children to know, um, how important it is for us to, you know, have relationships with older people because I, I honestly think (laughs) that, you know, we would be able to, for example, social media is a huge thing that kids are, on their computers too much and they don't know how to relate to others. I mean, if if they are having trouble with social skills, I feel like that visiting older adults of even if you don't know them well is one of the best ways for our kids mm-hmm. to develop social skills because they older adults often have more time and they mm-hmm. are often so much more gracious. Um, <laughs> you can, you know, I <laughs> I, I like to say, like, a child can say, like, your haircut's really ugly. Or what happened to your hair? And the older person will just be like, laugh it off. And uh. that would probably make their week, right? But um, those are, I feel like it's an easy way, an easy safe space to teach kids how to relate with other people. Um, and even if you think of all the nursing homes and all the assisted livings, there are older adults there waiting to mm-hmm. have interaction with others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can go and feel awkward and not, and this is the place where I have been when I, you know, I used to be part of the nursing home ministry in college and I would go and it's not like I knew what to say. I didn't know these people mm-hmm. very well, but I realized I could just sit there and kind of make conversation, not even be that good at it, but they appreciated that I came. And so each time I would, you know, they, they had the, um, I don't want to say forgiveness. I can't think of the word right now. It's but... almost like they're um, more generous. Yeah. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I found that, you know, I don't have to come all polished or anything like that. I think as people are aging, especially I would say like the super seniors, the older that they get, they understand, you know, they understand, but they also don't expect for us to come, you know, all Instagram, polished Instagram yeah. ready. And so I feel like uh. they have, even as a mom, like I have before COVID, <laughs> I have mm. enjoyed bringing my kids to visit, you know, older friends because really all they want, you know, all you need to do is I tell my daughter, you just smile, especially the younger that you are. You just smile <laughs> and you say hello. Mm-hmm. And they're like over the moon mm-hmm. um, because somebody took the time to sit with them. And, and, and I, and I'm thankful because I, my kids do understand this. They do see, I tell them they have a superpower, you know. Mm-hmm. So. And, you know, back to uh, what I talk about in my, in my introduction, mm-hmm. doing that really helps us age well mm-hmm. um, with purpose, with vitality, and to feel like we may be li- li- uh, leaving some sort of legacy that 
we cared for others, even though it, you know, we may not really um, feel the impact of that necessarily at that mm -hmm. moment. There's something about being generous, being empathic, that's actually really good for our brains as well. Compassion yeah. really, and I've learned this um, over the years. And when I introduced, when I interviewed uh, Kristen Neff, who's the founder of the self compassion kind mm -hmm. of movement, mm -hmm. is that when you're compassionate, when you're empathic, that is brain candy. Your brain really does well with that, it's healthful. Mm -hmm. So, uh, just a a sort of a side note on the yeah. biology we're we're mammals we're meant to be connected mm -hmm, absolutely so interesting so much more to talk about yeah. you know about culture about ageism but i so appreciate what you bring to this this discussion isabel can you uh tell our listeners where they might find out more about your work and this whole <laughs> idea of how do i love my elders Sure. So my book is uh, The Value of Wrinkles, A Young Perspective on How Loving the Old Will Change Your Life. And that's available at any bookstore. Um, you can also go to my website at isabeltom.com and you can mm -hmm. see the I have a course, Prepare to Care, that I'm um, going to be launching soon. And I have a podcast called The Value of Wrinkles. And mm -hmm. you can just get in touch with me. For I, I do speaking. Um, I do writing, all of that. So find me at isabeltom.com. Then it all rhymes together, so it's easy to remember. <laughs> Good, great. Yeah. Anything, any last words you want to leave our listeners with in terms of what are the first steps that they might consider if this is a little bit of a new way to think about relationship with their elders? Any Anything you, you uh, any final words? I think it's just, um, I guess I'll just leave a little quote that I like to remind people is like, when you ask them, you honor them. And so I think when we ask the older people in our lives questions and th that leads into great conversations, they feel really respected, that they feel included, even if it's like having a family dinner. Um, we don't want to just leave the older people in our families just sitting on the side. We want to include them in. And so just asking them what they think about something, or even when you're making decisions as you're caring for them, you know, when you ask them, you honor them, ask them, what what do you think about this place we're looking into? What do you think about this doctor? And I think anytime you ask a question, it just signals, wow, they want to know what I think. Mm -hmm. And I am, my view is being valued. And when it comes to their own care, I think asking them, um, is so very important. So, you know, it's really the simple things um that make a huge difference that we can you know those are that's a role that we can play mm -hmm. i think that's great advice and it makes me think of you know the the basic golden rule how will you want to be treated mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's always a good reference point absolutely yes isabel thank you so much for speaking with me today it was really a pleasure yeah thank you for having me i'm glad i could come and join you for a great conversation Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com.
It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. Uh, We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.